his presence appreciate him for his word appreciate him for what he's doing today in this service go ahead and thank him father we thank you we give you praise we give you glory you are awesome in this place and you are here to do great and mighty things thank you lord understand the scriptures and thank you for giving us a holy appetite for your word and everyone says amen. amen so from the two scriptures we have read we can see that the Lord is coming back now when you study the, the Bible you read about the second coming you also read about rapture and the rapture is coming for the church. The Bible says we will be caught up, we will meet with him in the air. At the second coming, he is coming with the church. He is coming with the church. Praise the Lord. That's at the second coming. And actually a rapture is one of those signs for the second coming. 
The second coming is close. But we are more closer to the rapture. We are more closer to the rapture. And today's service has been so designed by the Spirit to help us uh, to help us prepare for this rapture. Praise the Lord. I want to share with you seven activities of a rapture-ready Christian. Seven activities of a rapture-ready Christian. That is another way of saying seven main things that the Lord expects to find you doing when he comes. Is it possible that we can get rid of that echo? Seven activities of a rapture-ready Christian. Number one, the Lord expects that we should have increased commitment to his church. That our commitment to his church should have so grown by the time he comes. I want us to look at Hebrews 10, verse 24 to 25. He says, and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, look at that last part, in so much the more, in other words, do it much more, huh? as you see the day approaching. He's telling us that as we see the day of Christ coming for the church approaching, we are to consider one another even more, to provoke each other to love. Meaning that we are to think more about each other. You are to think about your neighbor, your fellow Christian, and think about how you're going to strengthen them, steer them up, inspire them to work for God, inspire them to love the Lord and to love others. He says we are to provoke one another and to love into good works. And the best way you can do that is by you increasing in love and by you doing extraordinary works. So that when others look at you, they are inspired. They are inspired by your love. They are inspired by your, your good works. Praise the Lord. And then he says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. That seems to suggest that as we see the day approaching, we are to have more meetings as the church. This is the word of God. He says, so much the more as you see the day approaching. Instead of decreasing on church services, we are to increase church services. And that's one of the things that we are doing. No wonder we have uh, meetings for women, meetings for single ladies. Uh, and, and last week on Saturday, we started meetings for teens. And, and, and uh, this coming Friday, we're having a wonderful all-night meeting. Mighty influence. He says, we are to do this much more as we see the day approaching. Not only that, he says that we are to increase our commitment. He says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Meaning that the Lord is not expecting you to uh, abscond from church meetings. He is expecting you to attend these assemblies, these assemblies, these gatherings of the saints. He says, as a man of psalmists, showing us that there are these group of people that he's not proud of. They are forsaking the assembling of the believers. So he says, don't be like them. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the man of Samis. And then he goes on and tells us, but exhorting one another. Praise God. Hallelujah. Meaning we are to encourage one another. And that's one of the things that we do with grace and truth. Each time we send you grace and truth, we give you words of exhortation. 
You need to be heaven conscious. You need to be Jesus minded. You see, you need to be purpose minded. You need to be purpose driven. So we give you that word and then you share it with your friends. What are you doing? You're fulfilling scripture. He says, exhorting one another. We are to continually exhort each other as we see the day approaching. He says, so much the more. That means we are to increase, increase in church attendance, increase in having more services, increase in our works of love and our good works as we see the day approaching. This is a rapture-ready Christian. When you see a Christian who works on such things, you know he's ready for the rapture. At least by this tape he has taken, he is ready. Number two, maturing in Christ. Christ is not expecting to find you a baby Christian when he returns. He's expecting to find you matured in Christ. That is why the Bible tells us he gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. He says it is for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. In other words, he gave us to you so that we could help you mature in Christ. I want us to look at Colossians. Colossians 1 from verse 27. To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Look at verse 28. Let's read 28 together, one to go. Whom we preach, can we read it together? It's on the screen. Together, one to go. Whom we preach, uh -huh, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may what? That we may present every man perfect. Why are we preaching? Why are we teaching? Paul says, when Christ comes, we are to present every man, everyone he ever gave us. Everyone who came under us, we are to present them perfect to him. He says, for the perfecting of the saints. Now, the Greek word translated perfect, there is the word teleos. It means mature. I think we should look at it from the amplified. Give me the amplified so that you see it perfectly. Him we preach and proclaim, just there. Him we preach and proclaim, warning and admonishing everyone. And where do we do this? It is in church, right? Yes. So you have to be here. Otherwise, you may not be there when the rapture happens. And instructing everyone in all wisdom, comprehensive insight into the ways and purposes of God. Why are we doing all this? He says that we may present every person mature, full grown, fully initiated, complete, and perfect in Christ, the anointed one. So you say, Pastor Jack, I brought you so and so, I brought you so and so. Uh, okay, as a master, here they are. I have taught them your word. I've raised them up in the Lord. You gave me this responsibility. I'm presenting them before you now. You see that? That will explain to you why we are always on you when you don't come for church. We're not after your money. We have an assignment from the Lord to present you perfect. To present you mature. You won't mature if you only attend church once a month. You won't mature. You may mature in your business, you may mature in, on, on your job, but you can't mature in Christ that way. You see? That is why we write for, to you, uh, for your grace and truth every day, every day, every day. You see? It's not written so that we just post it. We're not just trying to post it. We're trying to get it to you so that you can grow. You see? If you only eat once a week or twice a week, you can't grow that way. You have to eat every day. You have to eat every day. So we give you the word of God so you can grow. 
Hallelujah. When rapture happens, will Christ find you mature? He still find you a baby Christian, tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. He says to present every man mature, full grown, fully initiated, complete and perfect. Number three, growing in faith. I want us to look at Luke 18, verse 8. Jesus asked a very important question. He said, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, listen to this question. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth? You, you can only ask such a question if you are going to look for this thing. Meaning that when he comes, he's going to look for faith. He says, will he find faith on earth? You see, we, we are giving you the message of faith, the word of faith, so that you can grow in faith. It's beyond you growing in faith so you can deal with the circumstances of this life. You see, the message of faith is meant to train you for the world to come. We're actually showing you how to live that life in the world to come. And when the Lord returns, he's expecting that he's going to find you full of faith. Not full of unbelief, not full of doubt, full of faith. And you see, when we study the scriptures, the Bible tells us that before he comes, there will be a great falling away. That means that the faith of many will become weak. Many will fall out of the faith. Many will say, we don't believe in Jesus anymore. So he says, when he returns, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth? When I read this scripture, I said, yes, sir, you'll find faith in me. You'll find me standing strong in faith, unmovable, unshakable. I will stagger not at your word. You'll find faith. And then I said, yes, sir. I will ensure that Carlos Christian Church grows big in faith. Amen. We'll feed them with the word of faith. Amen. But you see, you have to use the word. Faith grows by what? Increasing your word's intake. That's number one. You see, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith grows, number two, by exercising the word you have received. When you receive the word, it grows in size. It becomes big. When you exercise the word, it grows in strength. It becomes strong. So when you receive the word and put the word of God to work, you not only have big faith, you have faith that is big and strong. Uh, like Zanako, that one is reliable. Praise God. When your faith is big and strong, it's reliable. It won't fail. It won't fail. Praise God. He's expecting to find you full of faith. Not asking him questions, why, Lord? Why, why are things hard in my life, Lord? He said, by now you should be somewhere. By now you should be somewhere. Number four. is expecting to find you watching and praying. That means expecting his return. Mark chapter 13 from verse 28. Mark 13 from verse 28. Now learn a parable of the fig tree. <laughs> you better get this here. Now learn a parable of the fig tree. When a branch is yet tender and putteth forth leaves, you know that summer is near. Dear Jesus. So ye in like manner, when you shall see these things come to pass, know that it is nigh, even at the doors. Verily I say unto you that this generation shall not pass till all these things be done. Hey, 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 come on here. Are you, are you still in church? 
In these few verses we have read, Jesus told us when he's coming. In these few verses. This is this generation. Which generation? Not the generation of John and, and Peter. The generation that will see the fig tree bring forth its tender branch and put forth its leaves. And when you study in Bible prophecy, the fig tree is Israel. He's telling you that when you see Israel become a nation again, when you see these things unfold, know, you should know that these things, his coming is at the doors. You should know this is close. And you know when Israel became a nation? 1948. Come on here. And then he said, this generation shall not pass till all these things be done. How long is a generation? Between 40 to 100 years. That's a generation. You calculate. That tells you that we have less than a hundred, not even a hundred, less than 30 years. Probably, if we are accurate with this interpretation, we have less than 30 years before the rapture of the church. Less than that. I know what you're thinking now. No one knows the time. Of the Let's read. Let's read the Bible. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. Let's go on. Let's go on. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, some people are thinking I'm not yet married and pastor is talking about such things. <laughs> Verse 32. He says, but of that day, now listen, he says, but of that day and that hour knoweth no man. Now he didn't say of that year. He says the day and the hour no man knows. He didn't say no one knows the year. He didn't say that. Why is he giving us signs? He's giving us signs to show us how close we may be. So we may not be accurate concerning the day. We may not be accurate concerning the hour. But we should be able to know it is around this period. And we should be able to prepare ourselves. So he says, but of that day and that hour knoweth no man. No, not the angels which are in heaven. Neither the son, but the father. He says, take ye heed, watch and pray, for you know not when the time is. Notice what he says he should find you doing at that period. Watching and praying. Watching. Watching for what? For the signs. Being alert, looking at the signs. He says there will be pestilences in, in, in our days. He talked about that. When you see COVID-19 and all this kind of stuff, he talked about that. He talked about earthquakes everywhere. He talked about false prophets who will rise and deceive many. He talked about people who will rise and call themselves Christ and they will deceive many. He says, when you see such signs, know that you are in the times of the signs that his coming is at the door. When you see the fig tree bud and bring forth its tender branch and starts producing its leaves, then you know these things must all come to pass. Then you know you are in the generation that will not end before the rapture happens. You know that. That's what he said. That's what he said. And in 1948, Israel became a nation again. And now they are traveling from all over the world back to Israel. What did Matthew say? Matthew said that when the Antichrist is revealed, he will sit in the Holy of Holies. When he's revealed. What do we see? We see that everything that is needed to rebuild the, the temple in Jerusalem is already prepared, everything. Yes, There's only one problem, and they're going to deal with it very soon. 
I'm sure, I don't know if you have been following the news. Uh, Islamic nations are beginning to make peace with Israel. When you see such things, he says, watch. Watch. I know you, you watch ZNBC and you love to listen and watch to local news. But go beyond that. Look at international news. Look at what is happening globally. And then look at what God has said should come to pass. The only issue that is there is that where the temple is supposed to be rebuilt, the Muslims built their their mosque, the Dome of the Rock. But soon things are going to change. Soon. Everything. They are already preparing for the sacrifice. They are preparing for everything. The ground is already set. So he says, when you, when you understand these things, watch and pray. It's not time to be lazy in prayer. It's time to pray even more. It's time to watch and pray. Verse 34, for the son of man is as a man taking a far journey who left his house and gave authority to his servants. See what he did? He left his house. That's the church, right? What did he leave behind? Authority to his servants. He gave us authority. He said, behold, I give unto you all authority in heaven and earth is given to me. And then he says, go ye into all the world. So he gave us authority. And then what else did he give us? And to every man, his work. He gave us the work of preaching the gospel. You see that? And commanded the porter to watch. Watch ye therefore, for you know not when the master of the house cometh, at even or at midnight, or at the croaking, uh, the, the cockroach, the cockroach, or in the morning, lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping. He tells you, watch, lest when he comes he finds you sleeping. And what I say unto you, I say unto all, watch. He's telling them, I'm not just telling you, I'm speaking to all, watch. He shouldn't find you sleeping. Look at First Thessalonians chapter 5 from verse 1. He talks about sleeping. He explains what he means when he says he shouldn't find you sleeping. He says this. But of the times and the seasons, but of the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. He said there is no need for me to write unto you concerning times and seasons. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh and is thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, huh? the sudden destruction cometh upon them, as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. He said that day should not come upon you as a thief. You do not expect it. You do not know that it was close. He says you are not in the night. The day should not be a surprise to you. You should be able to tell this is how close we are. He says that day should not overtake you. Praise God. But ye brethren are not in darkness. Say a good amen. amen. That that day should overtake you as a thief. Verse 5. You are all the children of light. Man, so called. And the children of the day. Have I read that scripture? Sorrow endured by for a night. Joy comes in the morning. When I found out I am of the day, I said, thank you, Lord Jesus. There is no night for me, so there is no sorrow for me. I am of the day. Praise God. Look at verse 6. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night. And they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober. Putting on the breastplate of faith and love. What is the breastplate for? For protecting your heart. 
So he says, be sober, be alert, be awake, don't sleep. Don't sleep on the work of God. Don't sleep concerning the kingdom of God. He says, watch and pray, be sober. Put on the breastplate of faith and love. That means walk in love. Live the life of faith. Live the life of faith now. And then he says, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. Now you see, when the Bible talks about salvation, it reveals to us that there are actually three kinds of salvations. Three. There is a salvation that we have. There is a salvation that we are receiving. And there is a salvation that we are going to receive. Are you still in church today? So he talks about the hope of salvation. That means the salvation we are going to receive. Praise God. The salvation for the spirit. That's what you got when you got born again. The salvation for the soul. That's what you are getting each time you are receiving the word of God. As your mind is being renewed, your soul is being saved. Amen. The salvation for your spirit happens instantly. The salvation for the soul happens gradually. The salvation for the body will happen instantly also. You see that? So we already have that salvation for our spirit. We are saved. Our spirit is saved. Now he says, receive with meekness the engrafted word of God, which is able to save your souls, your emotions, your mind, your will, is now being saved as you attend to the word of God. So when you talk about spiritual growth, it's actually the growth of your soul. Accepting who you are as a spirit man, a new man in Christ. So that's another salvation. And this is what we are doing right now. The salvation of your body will be your body receiving uh, uh, immortality. A new body being clothed on this one. He says, this motto shall be swallowed up by life. That will happen at the rapture. We're going to receive new bodies. And then when we get those new bodies, we'll look at Jesus, we'll look at ourselves, we'll see that there is no difference. Because he says, we shall see him as he is. No difference. We'll get those bodies, I tell you. I'm, I'm so looking forward to that day. Because with those bodies, you think rapture, rapture will be him carrying us up. No, 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 we're going to have bodies that can fly. Just like Jesus, he ascended up to heaven. Nobody carried him, he went up. Gravity couldn't make sense. He went up to heaven. That is what the Bible tells us, no man has ever ascended up to heaven but Jesus Christ. He said, what about Enoch? He did not ascend, he was taken. Elijah did not ascend, he was carried to heaven. Jesus ascended. And we are also going to ascend. And we'll no wonder we have been having these dreams. We dream of ourselves flying. No wonder we think, we look at walls. He said, I can just walk through this wall. Why can't I walk through? It's because it's part of our programming. The Bible says we are groaning, waiting for the adoption of our bodies. And on that day when we get those bodies, we'll be like Jesus, I tell you. The Bible tells us the disciples closed the doors, they closed the windows, then came Jesus standing in their midst. How did he get in? He did not need the door, he was the door himself. The Bible tells us as he was breaking bread, their eyes were open, they saw him, he vanished from their sight. Those are the kind of bodies we're going to get. We're going to get those bodies where we don't need to rebuke sickness because these, these new bodies can't get sick. But the ones we have now, we are busy commanding, declaring, in Jesus' name, you are strong. In Jesus, I have the life of God in me. I refuse to be sick. I refuse to accommodate pain. We get those bodies, no pain, no sickness. They shoot bullets at us. We can't die. Those are the kind of bodies. They recreate themselves. 
are you hearing what i'm telling you if you are to cut that body the body i'm telling you about if you are to cut it like this it will grow back those are the kind of bodies we are waiting for and so when i look at people acting out these movies about supernatural beings and doing all this kind of stuff i'm like dear jesus how did you plant it in their hearts these are the kind of bodies you're prepared for us but you know for that to happen you must be ready if you are left behind i feel sorry for you because the bible tells us there will be great tribulations like they have never been in all the world great troubles no don't think it will be it will be good here it will be trouble after we are gone there will be the great tribulation days of trouble he says when they say peace and safety then sudden destruction will come and then he says the hope of salvation the helmet the helmet that we are to put on is the hope of salvation he says for god hath not appointed us to wrath that's why he's talking to us like this he says we have not been appointed to wrath to punishment but to obtain salvation by our lord jesus christ have you seen that he says he has appointed us to obtain salvation he's speaking to christians he should have simply told them you have received salvation but he's telling them of another salvation the salvation of their bodies look at verse 11 verse 10 right who died for us that whether we wake or sleep we should live together with him wherefore comfort yourselves together and edify one another even as also you do and everyone said amen. amen wasn't that some good encouragement but it doesn't matter that you don't like the body you have now you're going to have a better one <laughs> praise god <laughs> yeah i know you may have issues with this one the, the hair is not growing especially for ladies the hair is not growing you get hair food it's still not growing you get hair fertilizer it's still not, still not growing well you can grow it by faith the bible says if god so cares to number your your hair you should also care to grow it uh, that's simple faith and then he adds he says the woman's hair is her glory it's her glory so if it is for your glory it's your glory why not pray some prayer of faith and forget about all this stuff your hair will grow thank you jesus yeah i know some heads are barren but they can become fruitful yeah there are some barren heads but they can become fruitful <laughs> dear jesus first peter chapter 4 verse 7 from the cv everything will soon come to an end listen to this now so be serious and be sensible enough to pray be serious i know you have been praying in jesus name i pray amen and you go no 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 he says be serious this is serious business be serious i have no nothing to pray about nothing you have nothing that is because you are thinking about yourself look he gave you an assignment he says he's coming quickly his reward is with him why don't you pray for the world why don't you pray for the lost why don't you pray that the gospel will spread quickly you can't say you have nothing to pray when the world is still unsaved you have a lot to pray for so he says be serious and be sensible enough to pray he tells you the man who doesn't pray lacks sense be sensible enough to pray you've got to be sensible enough to pray so my life is busy he said everything will soon come to an end so set your priorities correct be serious and sensible enough to pray give it to me from the tpt since we are approaching the end of all things be intentional purposeful 
and self-controlled so that you can be given to prayer. Meaning, don't pray by accident. Separate specific times of prayer. Be intentional about it. Be purposeful about it. That is why as a church, we, we, we have those prayers on Tuesdays. We are fasting. We have been fasting throughout this month on Tuesdays. And then we have the prayers on Tuesdays, on Thursdays, and on Saturdays. I, I've seen that a lot of people are not participating. The Bible says, be intentional, purposeful, and self-controlled. It will require self-control for you to pray. You may feel tired, but then it says you have to discipline yourself to pray. It's so important that he's talking about the day. He's talking about that this day is approaching. He's talking about that we are coming to the end of all things. And then he says, this is what I need you to do. I want you to be intentional, purposeful, and self-controlled so that you can be given to prayer. The same thing that Jesus said. He said, watch and pray. Watch and pray. I want to find you praying. I want to find you praying. Hallelujah. What did Paul say? Pray without ceasing. Without ceasing. Non-stop praying. Pray. I don't know how to pray. Pray. You will learn. The best way to learn how to pray is by praying. Pray. Start praying. Become a man of prayer. Become a woman of prayer. Hallelujah. Yes. Tell somebody sitting next to you, it's time for you to pray. Yeah, you've got to pray like never before. You've got to pray. We're approaching the end of all things. I just told you. If our interpretation of Matthew uh, 24, the scripture we read, if our interpretation is correct, we have less than less than 30 years. I heard somebody say we have about three to six years. They may be correct. May be correct. And I don't want to find out they were correct and I was, I was wrong. <laughs> I, I'm not taking any chances concerning this. No. Yeah. <laughs> Some will say 10 years. The best thing I can do is prepare myself. Yes, if the one who said three years are not correct, I will still be prepared. I'm not losing anything. Yes, you see that? Yeah. If it's 30 years, still, I'll be ready. And at least I would have done much work in no time because I was waiting for three years. So I did so much work. <laughs> but it can even happen before those three years. That's what I'm showing you here. So he says, watch and pray. Hallelujah. Number five. Using his gifts well. You've got to use the gifts that God has given you well. There are many gifts that God has given you. One of them is what you may call the gift of time. You've got to use the time that he has given you correctly. He has given you money. Money is also a gift. It's something that you can work for, but it's something that God can also give you. You've got to use these things well. There are also some spiritual abilities that God has given you. Let's read scripture. 1 Peter 4 verse 7 from the King James. But the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer. We just talked about that. Be sober and watch unto prayer. Verse 8. And above all things, listen to this. Above all things, above you watching and praying. It says above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves. Fervent love. Charity there is love. Have fervent love amongst yourselves. He wants to find a love-filled church. Not a love-empty church. He says, have fervent love. You know what it means, fervent love? Hot love. 
love that is burning, not love that is cold. He says, have fervent love amongst yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Meaning what? As a church, you're going to see people making some mistakes. Some people will offend you. But then he says, if you have fervent love, that love will cover those mistakes. You won't get offended. I've seen some people get so offended. They get so offended, they don't want to pray anymore. They get offended, they don't want to be in church anymore. That's terrible. It shows us that you have not been worshipping the Lord. Because the Lord said you should have so much love, so much love, that it is able to cover the offenses of others. Someone has angered you. Instead of you going to tell others what they have done, you cover that person. You say he's a wonderful person. You say he's a new creation. You say he's a righteousness of God. He's just discovering himself. Love covers. Love covers. Love covers. Love does not expose sins. It covers. It doesn't mean that it is, it is protecting sin. It's protecting the one who has committed the sin. Not the sin. It is protecting this person. He has made a mistake. Okay, if we tell everyone about the mistake he has made, will it be undone? No. The person will feel more condemned. So love covers a multitude of sins. Not just one, a multitude of sins. So he's saying, my, I want my church to be found that way. He actually told us that in the last days, the love of many will wax cold because of iniquity. Because of the sins of many. He says, many people's love will wax cold. But I want something different for my church. I want to find my church full of love. Full of love for each other. Full of love for the ministers. I've seen how the church is so angry at men and women of God. There's so much anger. There's so much anger. Yes, so many of them have done terrible things. And it is to confirm what the scripture told us. That they will rise. Men will rise. That's what the Bible says. And in spite of what the Bible told us, he said we should love fervently. The Bible actually even taught us of false teachers. They are false prophets, they are false teachers. He, he, he even taught us of false brethren. Ever read of false brethren? The Bible talks about false brethren. Fake brothers and sisters. False brothers and sisters. <laughs> he said, nevertheless, your love should be able to cover multitude of sins. No, no treatment from anyone should be able to derail you from your assignment. Yes given to you by God. I've come to that place where I don't think there is anyone who can hate me enough to make me hate God. Doesn't matter if the whole world turned against me. I'm set on this course. I cannot be moved. I'm too persuaded. I gave my life a long time ago. I'm not surrendering my life to God. I gave it. I surrendered a long time ago. You see? You, 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 listen, uh, Paul said something. He said, I am crucified with Christ. He was actually saying he was a dead man. You cannot hate a dead man. You can't hate a dead man. Some people miss what I just said. He says, I live, yet not I. Christ lives. So that means that the emotions that I'm going to express are that of Christ. Because me, I'm dead. Christ is the one who is living. He says, for you are dead, and your life is hidden in God. You are dead. Christ is the one living now. Christ is the one. So you cover multitude of sins. You cover. You cover. Don't be among those who are busy running on social media, exposing other people. Have you heard what prophet so-and-so did? Have you heard, we have so much work to do? Come on here. Why are we helping the devil do his work? 
Let him do his own work. Let him buy his own bundles. Why buy bundles for the devil and spread his work? We know that if anyone fails, they fall because of the work of the enemy. And if we are, we are busy talking about all that, we are supporting the devil. That's what we are doing. Instead of being touched and going to God in prayer, taking this matter in prayer, we are excited. No, I've seen something about people who are excited when others fall. Very small people. The thing that when others fall, it means that they have risen. They have to pull someone down before they can go up. As a matter of fact, they're not going up. They can only stand strong and stand tall when others are down. They have to pull somebody down. That's not scriptural. You've got to watch and pray. You hear prophet so-and-so has done this. Watch and pray. Pray for the church. Not just for Carlos Christian Church, for the church. Pray for the church. Pray. When I hear of such things, I go in prayer. I go in prayer. You see, my wife and I, we dedicated ourselves, we, we separated a certain day in the week to pray for ministers. Pray and fast for ministers every week. Every week. Some of them may not even know us. They don't have to. We have to pray. We have to pray. Because we are looking at the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's beyond Carlos Christian Church. We have failed. If KCC is doing well and every other church is failing, we have failed. We have failed. We have an assignment, a place to fulfill in the body of Christ. And we must take our place. Love covers. Still, your neighbor, love covers. Okay, verse 9 now. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. That means what? Be welcoming. Be welcoming. Here's another thing I've noticed in many churches. You know when you visit... Ah, you are a stranger. You're a stranger. I was talking to somebody the other day. He said, uh, Pastor, do you know me from anywhere? I said, yeah, I do. I know you. You are, the, you are the son of my father. The spirit of our father dwells in you. He dwells in me also. We are not strangers. Yeah. You may not know me from Adam because I'm not from Adam. Neither are you. We are brothers and sisters. On that day, you're going to meet so many of your brothers and sisters you, you were never in contact with on earth. You will meet them. And you will have to talk to them. Why don't you start now? They were coming. You hear somebody is a Christian. doesn't matter that they are not coming from this church. They are our brothers. They are our sisters. You treat them with dignity. You treat them with honor. We may not always agree. But we can always love each other. The Bible calls love the bond of perfectedness. You see that? He says, be hospitable. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. Look at verse 10. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another. He's saying, use your gifts. Now, remember where he's coming from. From verse 7, he says, but the end of all things is at hand. So now he tells us what to do because the end is at hand. He's telling us here, use your gifts. Don't wait for the pulpit. Say, I can prophesy. I'm just waiting for pastor to give me an opportunity to prophesy. No, 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 no. Prophesy. That's why we tell you, be part of an ST. You see? Part of, be part of groups. Be part of departments. 
and express whatever gift God has given you. Express it. To help others, of course, not to uh, make yourself look big and everyone else small because, aye, your whole life is bare before me. Your whole life. I can Google you right now. <laughs> when you come around me, be careful because I can see every sin you commit, I can see it. We just talked about love covering. He said, follow after love, desire spiritual gifts, and that you may prophesy. So you're not using this gift for yourself. The Bible says the gifts of the Spirit are given to every man to profit with all. That means to profit others. As a matter of fact, the gifts, the, the, the primary reason they are given is to profit the church, not to profit you. They're given to profit the church. So you may be thinking, what will I get for, for manifesting this gift? You're not supposed to think that way. You see? And some people say, I don't even know my gift. The reason you don't know is that you are seated. You want to find out your gift? Start doing something in the house of God. You will never know that you have the gifts of healings until you lay hands on the sick. You will never know. Say, ah, I just, me, I just don't know. God, show me, show me my gift. He doesn't work that way. He doesn't work that way. As you go, you will see. I've actually found out that most of the gifts of the Spirit will manifest when you start winning souls. Because that's when you need them the most. I mean, you are talking to this guy. His heart is hard. His heart is closed. You, you have prepared the six-point message on salvation. It's not getting through. Then you're like, oh, Holy Spirit, help me here. What do I do? And bam, a word of knowledge is given to you. His name, he told you his name is John. His real name is James. Tell him your real name is James. His father and mother is so and so. This is where he's coming from. Look at Jesus. He's ministering to this woman. She's hard. She's stubborn. She said, you are a Jew. Jews and, 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 and Samaritans have nothing in common. And then Jesus keeps preaching the word. Her heart is not opening. Then he gives a word. He says, bring your husband. She's like, what husband? How did you know that? He says, you have five. Even the one you have is not your own. Ha! <laughs> Every argument dropped. No, no, no. You are busy arguing with our friends, the SDAs, trying to prove that the law has been ab abolished. No, brother. <laughs> Desire these things. Desire these things. I was, I was uh, ministering somewhere in town. Um, uh, I was ministering to someone. And then when I was walking, uh, two guys saw me. They saw me minister to that person. I was ministering in public. All right. So they saw me and they said, uh, come, please. I would like to have a discussion with you. So I sat down. To share the word with them. Then I noticed that they were too argumentative. They wanted to argue about this. While I am giving an answer, they are already preparing another argument. <laughs> asking the next question. Then I also observed that one of them had a big sore on his lip. Very big. I said, opportunity. <laughs> yeah, I said, dear, just thank God this guy has something I can use. <laughs> I said, is that thing pending? He said, yes, it's pending. What if I showed you here that Jesus is real? You can actually get healed right now. I said, I will not even have to touch you. You just need to listen to me because I don't walk alone. I don't work alone. And the guy was just looking. I said, you can check yourself now. You can even bite your tongue. All fair is gone. And he did. Every argument dropped. 
now share the gospel with them. You see, this is, he said, you shall receive power. And what will happen? You'll be witnesses. Who is the witness? A proof producer. So you're not just saying this happened, you are able to produce proof that it is so. Jesus is Lord. And a demon is tormenting a person. You're telling them Jesus is Lord. Where is the proof that he's Lord? Because as it seems right now, it seems that this demon is Lord. Because nobody can chase it. Then you come up and say, Jesus is Lord. You devil come out in Jesus' name. No, no, let's go to our pastor. You cast it out. Then you're not growing, brother. You're not growing. He says, they that believe on my name, they shall cast out devils. Casting out devils is not for pastors. Casting out devils is for every Christian. Can I tell you something? There is actually no special grace. No special anointing whatsoever for casting out devils. When I cast out devils, I do so as a Christian. It is as simple as that. Let no one tell you, you have to fast for 40 days for you to be able to deal with this. This kind cannot come out until you graduate spiritually. No, he said, if you believe in my name, you will cast out devils. You cast out. So when you see us casting out devils, you can do it too. If you believe in the name of Jesus Christ, you are born again in truth. You, you have the power to do so. You see, because for devils to be cast out, you don't even require dunamis. You, you require exousia. Which is authority. And that authority has been given to every Christian. You see? You use that authority in the name. And the devil will come out. So it is as you win souls that you begin to see these gifts manifesting. Philip went to Samaria to preach. When he got there, he discovered that as he was preaching, the lame were walking. People were getting healed. There was great joy in the city. And this Philip was simply working in the church as a deacon, serving tables. But then as he started winning souls, it went beyond serving tables to serving miracles. Wow. And miracle signs and wonders were happening everywhere. So as long as you are seated, God can't use you. you. You must do something. You must do something. Do something. And sometimes for the Spirit of God to push you forward, He gives you dreams, He gives you visions. But what do you do with them? You just sit down and say, ah, I know one day God will use me. God doesn't use people who are seated. You have to get up. He said, open your mouth and I will fill it. You want God to put something in your mouth, you must open it. He says, you will not need to premeditate what you're going to say at that time. It will be given to you. So you say, I don't even have a word. He said, you don't even need to think about what you're going to say. Just go ahead and say. Say, Holy Spirit, I am ready. Talk through me. And you start out sharing the gospel with others. As you share the gospel, you hear this one is saying, I have a financial problem. The other one will tell you, ah, my, my uncle is sick. The other one will tell you, there is this issue. Opportunity to manifest the spirit. You see that? Now you are prophesying and you are flowing in words of wisdom and you are able to discern spirits. I mean, all of a sudden you can see devils. You can see angels. You can actually see. For many years you have been praying, open my eyes, oh God. Open my eyes. And God is saying, for what purpose? For what purpose? For what purpose? For what purpose? You are just seated. Open my eyes. What do you want to see? You're not ready to help anyone. What do you want to see? Because you want to have a title, people should call you prophet, prophetess. I just want to see in the spirit. See me. And, and then you see what God does. He helps you at least. He gives you some light. You saw light. <laughs> you saw a flash of light. Say, I was seeing something. It was okay. I just saw light. That's God telling you. Better be serious with your life. 
He says, follow after love, pursue love. When you pursue love, you want to help others. Father, they are sick. I want to see them healed. Father, they have this issue. They are confused. I'd love to be able to help them with direction. Then he says, as you pursue love, you can start desiring now. I've heard that there is this gift. I need this gift to be able to help them. I've heard that there is this grace. They find grace to help in time of need. There is this need. I need grace to help people who are facing this need. Until you get there, you're not ready to be a vessel. Not ready. Doesn't matter how many people are prophesied to you, you're not ready. God doesn't use idle people. When you see Jesus calling people, you're going to see him calling people who are doing something. Even though what they were doing was wrong, he called them. Because he wanted people who are going to act. Praise God. Look at verse, uh, verse 10. As every man has received a gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Verse 11. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. So he says, if you're going to speak, speak as one who is speaking for God. Use the ability God has given you. If any man minister, let him do it as, uh, let him do it as of the ability with God given. Have you seen that? Some people say, I, I don't even know how to do it. You don't do it by your own ability. He says, minister as of the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise in dominion forever and ever. And the church says, Amen. Amen. That gift that you have, you have the ability to sing. It's time for you to start using it for the glory of God. Don't say there are too many musicians, too many ministers here. He says, if you have a gift, then it has its purpose in the house of God. If, he didn't, if God did not want you to benefit the church in this way, he would not have given it to you. Use your gift. Say good amen. amen. Number six, faithfulness in serving. You've got to be faithful in serving him. He should find you serving. Luke 12, verse 42 to verse 48. Luke chapter 12. And the Lord said, who then is that faithful and wise steward? You know who a steward is? A steward is one who is made a manager over somebody's property. And so he says that who is that wise and faithful steward whom his Lord shall make ruler over his household to give them their portion of meat in due season? You see, like Pastor Jack has been given such a responsibility to give you... Huh? To give you what portion of meat in due season. So you come on remember Sunday, I'm giving you a word in its due time. Amen. You come on Sunday, you come on Wednesday, I'm giving you such a word. Then it's not just meat, all of us. We have been sent to go to all the world and make disciples. So we are to give them the word, the meat in due season. Verse 43. It says, Blessed is that servant whom his Lord. Whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. Did you see that? He says, when his Lord comes, he shall find that guy doing what he was sent to do. Hallelujah. I'm not retiring. No, when he comes, he'll find me preaching. He'll find me feeding the flock. That's what we're supposed to do. He says, the man he, the man he is going to find doing these things is a blessed man. Hallelujah. Can you imagine? You're busy winning a soul. You just led him to the Lord. And then the trumpet sounds. And the twinkle of an eye. Boom! You're both caught up. The guy is with you in the air. A few seconds ago, he would have been left behind. But because you are busy winning souls, you are caught up together. He says, the man that I'll find doing the work is a blessed man. 
Not the man who is saying, I, I know you called me, but life got hard. Everything, you know, was going terrible. I did not have this. I did not have that. No, 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 no. You see what the Bible says? The Bible says, he that endures to the end. It did not say he that endures at the beginning. It says, he that endures to the end shall be saved. It's about how you finish, not how you started. I used to be, I used to be, I used to be. None of that counts with God. Who are you now? What are you doing now? Me, me, 10 years ago, they used to know me everywhere. Ask people in Kitwe. They, they used to know me. Me, I, I would pray, I would pray for hours. Okay, thank God for that, but what are you doing now? We don't hear you pray. We don't hear you doing all these things. Hallelujah. When I was in Bible school, I was uh, ministering to this man God had given me to raise. So I was telling him of things that I used to do when I was in school. So I was telling him the power would move like this, the power would move like that. You know, God would move like this. God would do these things through me. Then he asked me a very serious question. He said, but why are you not doing that now? I kept quiet. I said, this is a serious question. I got him somewhere. I said, come, follow me. He followed me. I went into a certain room. I said, stand there. I said, just stand there. And then I got my hand like this. I said, take it in Jesus' name. And he went down. And I had to wait for him for about 10 minutes. When he got up, I said, you see, I have not changed at all. <laughs> the difference is that I am busy ministering to you ministers. And soon God will release me to minister to his people. I'm not changed at all. Is that your story also? That you have not changed, though. you have only gotten better. When I was in school, I was in scripture union. Ah, How about now? Did he not say from glory to glory? It's supposed to be far much better now than it used to be. Hey, we used to dance for the Lord. How about now? I mean, by now you should have you should have learned some new dance moves for the Lord. Should have gotten better. So he's expecting us that when he comes, he'll find us way better. Serving him with passion, serving him with zeal. Listen, I made up my mind a long time ago that I will never need anyone to encourage me to save God. Never. I don't need somebody to push me around and say, Save God. Are you, what are you doing now? What are you doing? Are you saving the Lord? No, 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 no. He said, Go to the ants you sluggard and lay wisdom. They have no ruler, they have no supervisor, but they're able to gather food for the summer. I learned from the ants. I am to be that wise. Because this salvation I received, I received from the Lord by myself. Why, why should somebody push me? I thank God for those who are there to encourage. You see, but I have to live in such a way that I don't need encouragement. I don't need encouragement. I don't need anyone feeling sorry for me and say, we are so sorry. You know, keep doing the work of God. Rise, okay? Okay, God will use you, okay? Okay, now get up, okay? Now you can stand. And then tomorrow I am down. You will never find Pastor Jack down. I made up my mind. My life is upward and forward only. Come what may. Come what may. I'm ready for anything. You see, I told you, I gave up my life a long time ago. If someone threatens to kill me today, it's nothing. I already died. You can't kill a dead man. It's a decision I made a long time ago. I said, there's nothing anybody can do to me that can stop me from serving God. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Paul said, he said, he said I do not consider my own life dear to myself that I may run the race and finish my course and the ministry which I received to proclaim the gospel of his grace. 
He said, I don't count my own life dear. They were busy telling him, where you're going in Jerusalem? You'll be imprisoned. You'll be beaten. We are seeing these things by the Spirit. Paul said, none of these things move me. None of these things. Brothers and sisters, you've got to come to that place where none of these things move you. You don't move. You don't move by money or the lack of it. You don't move by opportunities or lack of opportunities. Now you are angry. Now you are bitter. The Bible says you are not your own. You belong to the Lord. Glorify God in your body and in your spirit with our ease. You have no right to be angry at God because you don't belong to yourself anymore. You see, when you say, Jesus, be the Lord of my life, your life ceases to be yours. It ceases to be yours. It belongs to him now. So he says, whatever we do, in word or deed, do owe it to the glory of God. He says, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. When we live, he says, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. We belong to him. You come to that place. Nobody needs to push me to pray. Nobody needs to push me to save God. Nobody needs to push me to be on fire for God. That's why I don't sing some of those songs, because they're not mine. They are, they are written for another group. They're written for another group. Set my heart on fire. They're written for another group. I don't need my heart to be set on fire. It's already on fire. Okay, you didn't get what I said. Why are you crying, set my heart on fire? Because you know very well what happened to your heart. You know very well, your fire went out. Hey. Oh God, set my heart on fire. And you are crying and crying and crying. Powerful songs. Many years ago when I was so young in the faith, I used to cry for revival. I used to cry for revival. Actually, I used to call myself a revivalist. Revivalist. I'm, 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 I'm here to bring a revival. Until God opened my eyes one day and he said, son, I brought you here for something new. You can only revive something that is old. You can't revive something that is new. There are new things. There are better things. What eye has not seen, ear has not heard. You can't revive that because it has not existed yet. And then I said, Lord, I'm no longer praying for revival. I have to move from this level where I don't need revival. I don't need to be revived. I'm moving from strength to strength, from faith to faith, and from glory to glory. Unshakable, unmovable. Knowing that my labor in the Lord is not in vain. Am I speaking to somebody today? Yes, sir. Look at this. Uh, verse 45. But, and if that servant say in his heart, my Lord delayed his coming, and shall begin to beat the main servants and maidens, and to eat and drink and to be drunken. See what he's doing now. He starts mistreating the people he was given to feed. And not only is he mistreating them, he starts living this kind of life. He's now drinking now. He's a drunkard. He says, ah, we used to preach that Jesus is coming. <laughs> it will take a long time before he can come. He said, he's saying in his heart, my Lord has delayed. So I shouldn't take care of this sheep he gave me. These people he put in my hands. I should live anyhow. <laughs> Verse 46. The Lord of that servant will come in a day when he looketh not for him. And at an hour when he is not aware. You, you just noticed that this guy is drinking, right? Yes. So he says when he comes, he will come at that time when the guy is not expecting. Probably he was going to be so drunk at that time. And the Bible says, and will cut him in sunder. And will appoint him his portion with the animals. Rapture is not for every Christian. That's why we're talking about 
seven activities of rapture ready Christians is for those who are ready. This guy who is a drunkard, this guy who is supposed to be feeding, feeding the people of God with the word of God, but is now mistreating the same people he's supposed to feed. He's supposed to be making disciples, but he's living anyhow. He says when he comes, he will give him a portion with unbelievers. That means where non-believers are going, that's where he's going to go. You have to be serious with your salvation. Praise God. Look at verse 47. And that servant which knew his Lord's will and prepared not himself. Are you seeing this? The guy knew the Lord's will but did not prepare himself. I'm showing you the will of the Lord so that you can prepare yourself. So the guy who knew the Lord's will and prepared not himself, neither did according to his will, shall be beaten with many stripes. But he that knew not and did commit things worthy of stripes shall be beaten with few stripes. See, the guy that did not know that, look, you are all disqualified from being that guy because I'm teaching you right now. <laughs> For those who have not attended this service, maybe God knew because they did not know. Now that you know, things have changed. No, it's, it's the way the kingdom works. For example, for example, um, if you didn't know how to pray, you can pray any prayer, God will answer you. The moment you are taught how to pray the right way, God will not answer those prayers you used to pray. Because now you have the responsibility of putting his word to work. Huh? I have seen this everywhere. You look at these people. God is giving them uh, financial miracles everywhere. And the moment they are taught how to receive finances, the kingdom way, we're telling them, pay your tithes, sow your seeds, all this kind of stuff. Money stops coming. The way it used to come. Before, they would get it. They say, these people are talking about tithing. I've been receiving money without tithing. And God has been blessing me without all these things. Now that knowledge has come, God expects you to act according to that knowledge. <laughs> so he says, but he that knew not and did, uh, did commit things worthy of stripes shall be beaten with few stripes. Few, few. For unto whomsoever much is given of him shall be much required. And to whom men have committed much of him, they shall ask the more. So the more you receive his word, the more God expects from your life. He's expecting more. Like what you are receiving this, this morning, God is expecting more from you. He's expecting you to act better. Because these very words you are listening to, will stand and bear witness against you on that day if you don't act according to them. They will speak, they will bear witness. You attended this service, you heard this word, and yet you continued living the way you used to live before. Number seven, how to be seven activities of a rapture-ready Christian. Number seven, good character. Good character. Your character must be in check. I told you that there's going to be a great falling away. That means that you're going to see a lot of people living anyhow. Don't follow them. Don't follow them. You know what you're after. Second Peter 3 verse, 30, verse 14. My friends, while you are waiting, while you are waiting, you should make certain that the Lord finds you pure. While you are waiting. Say, see to it that the Lord finds you pure, spotless, and living at peace. You shouldn't find that you, you have an unresolved issue with a brother or a sister somewhere. The Bible says you should find you living at peace. You shouldn't find you that you are angry 
because so and so did not receive your message. You're so angry, you don't even want to do anything, you don't want to pray. He said, They should find you at peace. He said, They should find you spotless. The Bible says he's coming for a church without wrinkle, without spot, without blemish. He should find that you are that person. He says he should find you pure, pure thoughts, pure words, pure speech, pure actions, your character. He shouldn't find that you are a hypocrite. You are one thing when you go home, you are another thing when you are in the house of God. When you are in the house of God, sure about Oh, Jesus, you are Lord. When you are home, hi. It's as though you went to a university of insults. You know all the insults in the world. We did tell people, be careful how you talk to me. You, 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 may be ex- you may expose yourself to the side of me which is not born again. Be careful how you talk to me. We shouldn't find you like that. There are certain people who cannot come to Christ because of your character. They are saying, if these things that you are telling us are true, how come they have not changed you? You are telling us, Jesus can change me. How come he has not changed you? You are still the drunkard we know you to be. You are still the womanizer that we have known you to be. There is no change. The only difference between you and I is that you go to church, we don't go to church. That's the only difference. I've heard some non-believers say, if that Christian will go to heaven, then I'm going to heaven also. The Bible says, because of their character, they have made themselves enemies of the gospel. They are such enemies of the gospel. Maybe I should read that scripture for you before I can close. Philippians chapter 4. Did I say chapter 4? Chapter 3, rather. Philippians chapter 3. From verse 17. Give, me, give it to me from verse 17. Shall we stand as we read this? Philippians 4, uh, 3, verse 17. Brethren, be followers together of me. Go on. Be followers together of me. Go on. An example. So Paul is saying, follow me. I'm your pastor, I'm your man of God, follow me. And then mark them which walk as we do. Don't just follow anyone in the house of God. Just because they are Colossians, don't follow them. He says, mark those who walk like us. Mark those who do the things that we teach. Huh? Go on, verse 18. He says in verse 18, for many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. So there are some people who are living the kind of life they are living. He says, right now I'm weeping. Paul knew them. He preached the gospel to them. But the way they were living their lives, they were living as enemies of the gospel. Stumbling blocks to the gospel. People who should have been born again because of your character, the change in your character, are now saying, I cannot receive your Jesus. You people are hypocrites. You people are, no, 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 no. No, no, no. So, he says, so character, bad character, you make yourself an enemy of the cross. Let's go on verse 19. Look at this. Whose end? 
I'm reading for you scripture, I'm not just bringing things out of my mind. He says, their end is destruction. He says, whose God is their what? He says, they are saving their belly, they are saving their appetites. They are doing whatever they want to do, whenever they want to do them. He says, their God is their belly. And whose glory is in their shame. They are even proud of what they should be ashamed of. And who do what? Who mind earthly things. To mind earthly things. One foot in the world, another in the church. You can't live like that. No, you can't live like that. Give me first Corinthians 7, verse 29. You can't live like that. You, you, there is also another group. This other group, they are, they are seeking God because of things, material things. And if they don't get these things, they'll stop seeking God. They are moving from church to church because of receiving miracles. There's nothing wrong with receiving miracles. You see, Carlos Christian Church is a church full of miracles. But you see, you've got to get your heart straight with God. There are others who are so desperate for marriage. So desperate. I, oh God. They think, I don't know, maybe they think that their life was given to them for marriage. Listen. Marriage is about destiny. Destiny is not about marriage. Never forget this. Marriage is supposed to help you serve God better. It is not why you came. You didn't come here to get married. God did not send you into this world to get married. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? I know you're not shouting and, and celebrating. This is not the kind of messages that people shout. But I'm telling you, this is the truth. God did not send you here. You see, on that day, he will not say, who did you marry? He will ask you, did you do the work I sent you to do? And then you see some, some sister would want to get a brother or a guy. Let me just call him a guy because this one is not even a brother. A guy because he has money and he can take good care of him. Doesn't love God. Doesn't want to pray. Doesn't want to save God. Say, as long as I get married, I have a ring on my finger. At what cost? The cost of your destiny. It is better that you were never married than for you to marry someone who will not help you save God better. I'm telling you the truth. It is better. Look at what the Bible says. Verse, verse 29. Verse 29. 1 Corinthians 7, 29. Give me verse 29. Look at this. Look at the word that he tells us. Even those of us who are married. How much more for the unmarried? 1 Corinthians 7, 29. Read it for me. Let's read it together. I want to go. But this I say, that what? Read that part again. What? Read it again. This time, listen to yourself. What? Uh-huh. Go on. It remains that both they that have wives be as though they have stop. Why? He says the time is short. He said those who are married, they should be as though they are not married. He's not saying they should abandon their wives. No, he's saying they shouldn't be too busy attending to their marriage that they have no time for ministry. No, 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 I cannot because I am cooking now. My husband has just come home. So I you see, that's what we're telling you when you were single. Marry well. Marry somebody you can save God together with. Hallelujah. Are you hearing what I'm saying? He says those who are married should live as though they had none. They were not married. They were not married. Hallelujah. Let's go on. Let's go on. <laughs> and they that weep as though they wept not. You have a funeral. He says because the time is short, your tears should also be short. 
It's been five years you have been mourning. Our condolences. We're sorry you lost the loved one. But the Bible says the time is short. You can't be crying now. It's been 20 years you're still crying. If only my father was here. If only my father was here. If your father is born again, you're going to meet him soon. Start working and preparing yourself that when you meet him, you will not meet him as somebody who has nothing to present. There should be souls for you to present. Souls that you have brought to maturity that you're going to present. He says, and they that weep as though they wept not. And they that rejoice as though they rejoice not. Not prolonged celebrations. I was busy, I was telling some people, I said, look, it's that time, we've reached that period where when you're organizing birthday parties, you have souls in mind. Yeah. You're organizing them so that you can win souls. You're putting up a wedding, you're thinking, okay, on this wedding, my family members will come. They have been refusing to come to church. Now they're going to come because of my wedding. I want that at my wedding, souls should be won. Yes. You come to that place where you start planning for soul winning on such events. Amen. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? Yes. Yeah. One of our brothers here, I think Brother Promise, took it seriously. On his birthday, he called for a birthday party. He invited people. And a lot of them came. They came. You know where there's food, people gather. <laughs> they came. And he shared the gospel with them. And preached to them. Showed them the love of God. You have been crying for cakes all your life. You can buy a cake if you want to. The time is short. The time is short. The time is short. And then he goes on. And they that buy as though they possessed not. Hey, there's this house I just bought. Dear Jesus, you need to come to my house. So busy about your house. He says, they that buy as though they possessed not. Yes, you have. But then he says, you should live as though you don't have. Focus key. That's what he's dealing with. <laughs> go on, go on. And they that use this world as not abusing it, for the fashion of this world passes away. He says, enjoy the world, yes, enjoy the material things in this world, but don't be so obsessed with them that you, they distract you from doing what God expects you to do. Go on. But I would have you without carefulness. He that is unmarried, listen, this is what the Lord expects. If you're a single man, you're a single woman, listen to this. He that is unmarried careth for the things that belong to the Lord. I, I hope you saw that well. He did not say he that is unmarried careth for the things that belong to the girlfriends. You are already distracting yourself. No, you say he that is unmarried care for the things that belong to the Lord. How he may please the Lord. So he's telling you that at this period where you are not married, you should be so busy at serving God. Caring for the things of the Lord. How you may please the Lord. Go on, verse 33. But he that is married careth for the things that are of the world. How he may please his wife. The husband is really thinking, I need to provide for my wife. My wife needs this, my wife needs that. He says, the single man should not be thinking about such things. The single man should be thinking of, what does the Lord want me to do now? That's what the Bible says. Look at, let's go on. There is difference also between a wife and a virgin. That is the unmarried. The unmarried woman careth for the things of the Lord, that she may be holy both in body and in spirit. But she that is married careth for the things of the world, how she may please her husband. Go on. And this I speak for your own profit. <laughs> Not that I may cast a snare upon you, but for that which is coming. Look at the last part of the verse. And that you may attend upon the Lord without distraction. He's giving them such instructions because he's telling them, now look, at this is the pastor of the church. He's speaking to the church members. As a matter of fact, when you study the whole chapter of uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, he's busy telling them uh, it is better for you to stay unmarried. Don't marry. Don't marry. 
He's not organizing a, 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 a meeting for these people so that they can marry. He's actually telling them, the time is short. You're thinking too much about marriage. Yes, I'm not trying to tell you don't marry. If you want to marry, marry. But be sure that it doesn't distract you. Ensure that it doesn't keep you from serving God. Doesn't keep you. you know very well the brother is a drunkard. You know very well, but you want to be his wife. What is wrong with you? And then when the people of God talk about it, he said they are being judgmental. The Bible says, judge not. Ah, you should read the Bible very well. Read the Bible in context. As a matter of fact, when it comes to these things, he says we should judge. If we don't judge, God himself will judge you. So you, you are now careful with your life. Nothing should distract me. Nothing. So if I'm going to marry, these are things that you must tell yourself. If I'm going to marry, I have to marry someone who will run with me. Not someone who will slow me down. Someone who will stand with me. Someone who will pray with me. Because he said I should pray. I should watch and pray. Someone who will watch with me and pray with me. Someone who will encourage me. Honey, it's time for, for you to wake up. It's time for you to pray. This is time for prayer. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? Not somebody who is saying, ah, every day my pimpere, every day my pimpere. No, 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 no. Somebody who say, ah, sweetheart, it's time to pray. Let us pray. Let's go for evangelism. Not somebody is crying, you have no time for me. You have no, you don't give me any attention. Every time you are winning souls, you are winning souls. You come to that place. You make up your mind. You're not going to compromise with your salvation. This is serious business. You're not going to compromise. No, 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 no. The world is busy putting pressure on you. You are 29 and unmarried. You are 30 years and unmarried. What is going on? When are you going to get married? If you have not found, if the right man has not found you, he says, I tend to the world without distraction. That's what you should be yourself doing. I'm not trying to tell you, I'm not trying to water down your faith and try to tell you you're not, never going to get married. I'm, trying, I'm just trying to show you your priorities should be set up right. You should be about your father's business. He says, because the time is short. I've noticed another thing. When people get married, they become too lazy to save God. It's a terrible thing. He says, those who are married should live as though they are not married. I mean, you can't live like that with an unbeliever. He will chase you out of the house. You can't live like that with somebody who is only a professed Christian, but not a practical Christian. Then you're busy telling him, this week I'm praying and fasting. Ah, anyway, prayer and fasting this week. You can only fast one day, one day. Even your Bible says we should agree before you fast. No. Make up your mind. I'm going to marry someone who will stand with me. You know somebody who is heavenly minded, heavenly minded. No, you're not dealing with a Mr. Perfect. But a person whose heart is perfect toward God. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? I know right now the Spirit of God is speaking to people. There are some relationships that need to end. Because they may cost you an eternity with Christ. I'm telling you the truth. You know very well. Look at that. Uh, get me verse 34. First Corinthians 7, 34. Look at verse 34 again. There is a difference also between a wife and a virgin. They are married woman, caring for the things of the Lord, that she may be holy both in body and in spirit. It's not time for fornication. He says that she may be holy both in body and in spirit. She's presenting her body to the Lord. Know some guy who is telling you if you really love me, sleep with me. That's a signal he's not the guy for you. Yes. I'm, too, I'm tired of disappointments. I'm tired. I, this one, I've made up my mind. This one, no matter how wrong he is, I'll correct him. No. 
Bible says you must be holy both in body and in spirit. You must be holy both in body and in spirit. See, everyone else is doing it. You don't want to be like everyone else. Because when this thing comes, when the rapture happens, it's not the majority is taking. It's not coming for the majority. It's coming for the prepared. And if the majority are not ready, the majority will be left behind. It's coming for the prepared. Stop looking at others and say, because they are doing wrong things, I can also do wrong things. You make up your mind, I'm going to stand out. If I am the only one you'll find ready, so be it. I will be found ready. Not found wanting, found ready. Found ready. Found ready. Holy both in body and in spirit. This is serious. Yes, I know you have school. Work, be diligent, pass those exams, but remember the time is short. You see all these excuses that some people give. Hey, the reason I can't come to church is because you know uh, I'm in my final year. So uh, when I'm done with my final year, then uh, I'll be committed to church. Why were you born? Is there not a purpose that you have from God? This thing that you are studying, is it not supposed to help you fulfill that purpose? But now it's preventing you from serving, fulfilling that purpose. That means it's a problem, a big problem. No, if I'm going to be a doctor, I should be thinking, how am I going to use this paper to spread the gospel? Not the same paper that I'm supposed to study well and, and get good grades in to be preventing me from doing what God has called me to do. Because I tell you, on that day, it won't be how many people here have degrees. How many have PhDs? How many have good working experience? It will, those won't be the questions. How many made millions on earth? You will not consider that. How many had millions in dollars? The Bible says all these things will melt in sandwiches. And if the things that I've just showed you from the scriptures are true, really, if the predictions of some of these people are correct, think about it. What manner of life are you supposed to? If you are in school, study, be diligent, make it. That becomes a witness to the gospel in the church. Yes. It becomes easy for you to reach others for Christ. You see, you are working, work very well. But if you are on a job that keeps you from doing these things, you are too busy to serve God. You've got to make up your mind that I have to quit this job as soon as possible. Start making plans. Start making plans. Get into business if you have to. Use your faith to get yourself a better job, another one. Because this is very important. This is very vital. This is vital. He said, anyone who lets himself be distracted from the work I plan for him is not fit for the kingdom. Anyone. Anyone. The kind of message you are listening to today is not the kind that you hear everywhere. I'm telling you the truth. But this is the truth. Whether you like it or not, this is the word of God. He said, the more we see that they are preaching, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Not forsaking. You can't be a Sunday only Christian. No. The time is short. If you only attend church on Sunday, it means that the growth of one day, you attain it in two years. That's what that means. And it's supposed to find you matured. You see? 
and you're not reading your grace at all. You're not reading, you're not doing these things. You are you are growing very small. You are too small. And these things are important. They're important to the Lord. They will determine our place in that world to come. You better be serious with your life. I want you right now where you are standing to just go ahead and talk to the Lord. Go ahead and pray. There are some of us who need to recommit ourselves to the Lord. Go ahead and make that commitment. Say, Lord, I am ready here to save you. I'm here to save you. To be found ready. To be found ready. That when you come, you find me ready. You won't find me in arguments. You won't find me in useless fights. You will find me saving you.
us join our brother here in prayer. I want you to say after me, say, Lord Jesus, I believe that God raised you from the dead. Today, I confess that you are Lord of my life. You alone have the power to save me. I believe in your gospel. Send me now. Send me from my natural self. Send me from my past. Make me a new creation. I believe that right now you have sent me. I am a new creation. All things are passed away. I am no longer a sinner. I know that you are coming for me.